And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort Donna Dort Donna Dort This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk This is Poku and I'm down to dunk I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. <laughs> with me, as always, my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? Uh, housekeeping duties, housekeeping, let's talk about t-shirts. So, Taylor Dickerson, Frypod uh, legend, is getting everybody their t-shirts, I promise. So, if you haven't gotten yours yet, don't freak out. Hold tight. Um, know that Taylor's a very busy man, and he's got uh, a little baby on the way, and that he will get you your t-shirts. So, don't worry. They're coming at you. And they're fantastic by the way like really good quality shirts uh you'll you'll enjoy wearing them to to thunder games this year so um let's let's talk about kevin you want to talk about kevin sure i mean it's a good uh we we should tell people we're doing the summers of sam again this week and i think people after last week feel a little down and want to give them some hope sort of until we actually get into the years but we're not going to cover 2016 this week so yeah. you get a one week break from like really bad stuff arguably still bad stuff as we will discuss but we're not going to talk about KD leaving yeah the good so, thing about next week though is like you get really bad stuff sprinkled in with like really fun stuff too yeah because right after 2016 then it just like gets progressively it's like a snowball effect it just gets more and more insane as we go yeah 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 it's it's next week is actually going to be really like fun you get to experience uh, a lot of a lot of fan emotions yes 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 um uh but yeah this week this week is uh uh, this week is uh is maybe boring but it has like these little tiny like sub stories within it if you're listening on youtube um i've got a lot of videos that i'm building into this episode so if you're only listening on the podcast you may want to go watch the video version just for that so, uh, KD, quickly, he uh, met with Joe Sy, owner of the Brooklyn Nets, and basically gave him an ultimatum, according yeah. to Shams. Met in Trillian, London. The Athletic. Met in London, which is cool. It's cool. It's cooler than meeting somewhere else, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And uh, gave him an ultimatum. You got to fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks wow. if you want to keep me. Wow. Which is a, a pretty big demand. I don't know if we've ever gotten the double demand. 
Yeah, the, def- the coach is definitely like an easy one. Like coaches get fired all the time, but yeah, who cares? Is there an example of fact. an executive getting fired? I mean, I'm sure there is, but I feel but like that there? stuff doesn't leak. Yeah, but I mean, I'm trying to think of an executive that was fired because a player, you know, wanted it to happen. Yeah, no one ever says like a GM killer. Like, oh, yeah. he's a GM. He's a GM right. killer. GM. Even though, like, LeBron, in a lot of ways, was. I mean, like, they definitely had GMs rotating throughout his career, right? Because they had like David Griffin, then he yeah. lost his job. Hoops talks got David Griffin too. What was the timeline on Griff though? I mean, I, th- I, if I remember right, he was fired after LeBron left. Yeah. So. I don't, I don't know, but it, it is definitely a unique situation. We it can is. say that. It, it is without a doubt. And Josai, <laughs> who I didn't know was on Twitter, um, made himself known on Twitter and tweeted that he's standing with his coach and GM. Um, an unbelievable saga. It's very, as a non-Nets fan, it's very fun. Uh, if you're a Nets fan, can you imagine... I mean, we've, we've been through some stuff as Thunder fans, but nothing quite like this, where your whole franchise is being held hostage and you don't know what's going to happen, and perhaps your best player is either a guy, or really, one of, it's, it's one of two guys, one you know that just didn't play last year, like in Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving, and you may yeah. be left with those guys, and like, what is that team? Like, theoretically, that 2K team is still all right. What are they in practice? Like, heck if I know. Um, and that's that's why, and we'll get into more of the KD stuff, but I thought John Hollinger had like a fascinating article because yeah. everyone talks about how Houston owns Brooklyn's future, which is absolutely true, except for the fact that a lot of those years are swaps. One of those years happens to be next year. Yeah. So if Brooklyn was ever incentivized to tank as best they could, next year would be like an incredible year to do it Mm -hmm. because if you can even end up as like the seventh or eighth worst record yeah and you would just probably stay there because houston is not good gonna have a worse record they can't they can't take your pick they can only swap your pick so you're only like the worst case scenario is that you're getting houston's pick the problem is i don't know how they do it because like you said if you had Kyrie and Ben Simmons and you know Royce O'Neal and Joe Harris is coming back yeah. and like this is it's a fu- totally functional team. May- maybe it's not a playoff team in the Eastern Conference because it is just such a weird team and maybe guys get injuries or whatever all the yeah. weird stuff that happens with those guys. But I-, I don't know. I was kind of intrigued by that because everyone's freaking out like, well, if you don't do anything, like what if KD just sits out? And John Hollinger was like, so what? It actually would be beneficial for you because you're going to be able to trade him at some point, regardless. Yeah. I was going to say, but and if you get Jalen Brown and picks, like Kyrie, Jalen Brown, which is hilarious now. Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris is like that's uh, that's better than the Wizards, you know? Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, which which if they can get Jalen Brown at this point, I feel like you probably just do that. Don't worry about this like weird tanking idea, but. Yeah. If you hate the offers right now, yeah, some of these teams are not going to start off the way they want, and they're going to have to figure out something. And if Kevin Durant is still on the table, if someone's willing to make a really good offer, 
I kind of see the the logic in just holding out if I was the Nets. Like, yeah. what is we we've all seen the trade packages. Like Bobby Marks, he put up his like most realistic trade package, yep. which was OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. and four picks mm-hmm. essentially. I think they were like Thad Thad Young was in it as well. Yeah, don't want to forget Thad Young, but that was the gist. And like, if that's the offers, like, no. Yeah. Don't do it. Well, they they got got last year in the James Harden trade because a a team in the 76ers and Daryl Moore were willing to hold out. And yeah. Wait to make wait the trade, make the Ben Simmons trade. And everybody's like, "Oh, come on, you just got to do it now. Just go ahead and get Malcolm Brogdon and just like end it, you know." And <laughs> they they held out and Maury got his guy. It didn't work out last season, but we'll see how it goes this season. Uh, it's working out just fine for them now, unless they somehow get dinged for all these violations that they're being under investigation for right now. <laughs> However, if they don't get in trouble, if, or if they just lose a second round pick, like all that was very worth it. And, you know, they're in fine shape. And, you know, if you're the Nets, like Kevin Durant's going to have value now and in February. So I just, I wouldn't freak out about it. And and I think I was when I first saw the report. My initial reaction was kind of a freak out because it was like, I don't care what you think about Sean Marks. Like this is an obvious choice to make. Yeah. Like you, you take Kevin Durant, but as was brought up on the glue guys that I was listening to, it's like you you don't just get Kevin Durant. Like you still have to fill those positions. Yeah. Even if uh, Kyrie says that they can all be a coach, like you still have to bring in a new GM and coach. And what if that combination is something like, like obviously at that point you're, you're giving over the franchise to Kevin Durant. If you're not ex- explicitly letting him make the decisions, he is heavily involved. Yeah. And what if it's like, you know, Mark Jackson is your coach and Rich Kleinman is your GM. Yeah. I, I don't like think if you, it would be rich by the way, but yeah, who knows? Like if Kevin gets to drive, who's he picking? Cause he seemed just like fine if, with Steve Nash. If you told me, if you told me, Okay, we're firing those guys, but we're bringing in like Quinn Snyder mm-hmm. and whoever like the new hotshot GM is around the league. Yeah, like at that point, it's like, oh, okay, well that that's great, fine. like great. But until I know what those other options are, just blindly saying, okay, we'll do this, even though we don't have a plan in place yet, like I, I can't make that decision. I understand why they don't want to make that decision. And this isn't a twenty-nine-year-old Kevin Durant either. You know, handing your franchise over to a guy who's in the latter stages of his career and has had like devastating injuries, like to his foot. Um, I don't know. Like, I I think Kevin's awesome. I think that there are lots of teams that should trade for him. But handing over the future of your franchise, like, just ask like teams like the Cavs and the Heat, like how that went. Whenever they just like gave LeBron everything he wanted anytime. Even ask the Lakers right now. You know, well, hey, all those three teams got a title out of it, so ultimately probably don't care. Like the Nets have gotten nothing. I know. They haven't gotten a conference finals they appearance. Haven't got a conference, yeah, they've got the conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if this all ends and they have to trade him and they don't even get to the conference finals, it's um that's pretty devastating. I will say a lot of people are sticking up for Sean Marks. Not a lot of people sticking up for Steve Nash. <laughs> no one seems I, to. I can't find a Steve Nash stand out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, you, you broke up a little bit. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, let's. Uh, uh, any, anything else? Any other lingering KD thoughts? Well, no, I was just going to say, like, defending Sean Marks, I, I don't exactly get it. Because no. you can make the argument that KD made all these decisions. KD's the one that made them get DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. KD's the made, one that made them trade all these things away for uh, James Harden, including mm-hmm. Jarrett Allen, who's now an all-star. Yeah. I feel like that takes – at that point, then fine. Then what is the point of Sean Marks? What are you defending at that point? Yeah. Like, he's the GM. Like, if you want stars, you're going to have to have a GM who can deal with those stars. Mm-hmm. Sean Marks clearly wasn't able to deal with Kevin Durant. He seeded the entire franchise over to him. Now, maybe that was from direction of Joe Psy, but, like, what what has Sean Marks done that is so incredible over these last couple of years? Why is he being defended? Yeah, Like, I get that he built that really nice team – that like made the first round with D'Angelo Russell, and it was very mm-hmm. exciting. Spencer Dinwiddie was so fun. Yeah, they had dances people people love that team. That's great. That's a totally different job. Yeah, as a he GM. did unearth guys From, like like Bruce Brown and Joe Harris that were just kind of these rando players. That's great. That's not what wins you a championship. Wins you, winning you a champion, winning a championship is how to deal with superstars. Yeah. What has Sean Marks shown that he has the ability to deal with superstars? It's great that you can find all these guys and put together a team that can make it to the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Can you actually do it with superstars? I don't feel like there's evidence so far. Yeah, I would also say that he may have had the most difficult superstar pairing since I don't know who. You know, and I think part of the management of the superstars too is that's like one of the coaches' jobs. And I think that's why they hired Steve Nash. I thought they, I think they thought Steve would do a good job. He obviously didn't because in, in the message right away from Kyrie was like, you know what, we're all the coach. You know, him, me, that guy, we're all the coach. I was like, wait, wait, what? Um, like there was already like almost a lack of respect that like existed from the very beginning. And, you know, I don't know. Like, like they so if, they so clearly thought that they were going to recreate the Warriors, and Steve Nash was going to be their Steve Kerr. Yeah, and it was all just going to just, come in and work perfectly because you all bring the in Kevin, really you hire good. a Steve, and everything just comes together. Right. Yeah. And 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 by the way, this whole this whole saga is just like a reminder to me about how how insanely perfect a superstar Steph Curry is, like. Yeah. Just the absolute greatest superstar of my lifetime. People say Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan requested a trade. He tried yeah. to get traded to Orlando. Yeah. Like Steph Curry is the perfect superstar. Yes. What every small market wants would be if you could just get someone like Steph Curry, who's an all-time great player and is like has the organization organizations back. And if he doesn't, he doesn't ever leak it to the media. Yeah. All-time great. There is no too. Steph Curry camp leaking to all these reporters. I, and I ever. don't. And I. And the thing. About it is like the way that the Warriors are run, it'd be very easily leaked. Like there's not, yeah, there's true. not a lot of secrets around that organization. Like there's the and the ac- fact that there the was nothing leaked insane. these yeah. last two years, like yeah. when they were in the pits of despair. Like, yeah. dude, Steph Curry is the best. He is the absolute best, and Kyrie is like the exact opposite. <laughs> you know. And that's where I kind of feel for Marks a little bit because like some of it, so much of it is out of your control because it is all about like how can I land top ten players, you know? And they had two top ten players just walk through their door. Like you have to say yes. 
However, there's there can be baggage that comes with that, and there was more baggage than there were wins with this crew, yeah. and also the pandemic and the way that Kyrie had to handle everything during the pandemic was disastrous for them. And like Josiah was like super pissed about it. And like, what do you do? I mean, I I feel for him a little bit because he was put in a pretty impossible situation. Um, I'm not saying that like he deserves to keep his job or whatever. Like I don't know. Like that's I'm glad I don't have to make decisions like that. But man, this is a is a disastrous situation. Um, okay, Jay is here in the chat. He says, "What chipper subject is on the agenda today, boys?" <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, you're in luck, brother, because uh, oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk 2013, 2014, and 2015. And I thought. It, it worked out perfectly that these three were in the same week, yeah. Because uh, they're kind of bookended by these two major events, yeah. This, so this is coming off of the James Harden trade, and more importantly, coming off of the playoffs where uh, Patrick Beverly uh, deliberately and intentionally uh, damaged Russell Westbrook's knee, costing yeah. uh, a championship. What a jerk! <laughs> minimum, a minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other side, bookended by the KD trade, 2016. KD so walking. basically, like, yeah. You make this huge decision to trade James Harden, and now you have these three seasons. Now, they didn't know that at the time. They thought that KD would eventually sign. But you have these three seasons to build around KD and Russ. And you still have assets at that point. Like, one thing you can say about the Thunder, like, they were not – they had not given away a bunch of picks. Like, they still had all their Mm -hmm. picks going forward. Mm -hmm. Like, they were in a great situation going into this three-year stretch. And so I, I want people to keep that in mind as we're like we're trying to build a team around KD and Russ. Yeah, there there are good things and bad things that we'll get into. So yeah. do you are you ready to jump in? I'm so ready. All right, let's. Um, I feel like we're going to talk about the 2013 draft a lot. So let me start with in 2013 that they signed and traded Kevin Martin away to Minnesota. Yeah, and they got a seven million dollar. traded player exception, Mm -hmm. TPE, Mm -hmm. that we were probably very excited about. They did not end up using it, which we will talk about why next year. But they they did not use it. They got a $7 million TPE. And the draft rights to a guy who uh, probably named Simon (laughs) Suchek, something like that. First name. S Z Y M O N. If that's if that's Simon, that's a pretty cool way to spell S-Z- it. If it's, if it's pronounced somewhere else, yeah. I, I I mean, you have to trade something back. Um, that's what yeah. it was, and so yeah. we got the draft rights. Um, so I just want to go through the progression of Kevin Martin mm-hmm. real quick. Mm-hmm. So January 2013. This is in the middle of the season after trading James Harden. Yeah. OKC is 38 and 10 at the end of January. Yeah. 38 and 10 Dominant. on a 65 win pace. Yeah rolling just crazy good and kevin martin gets interviewed he says this summer hopefully everything works out here i haven't said that too often but i will put it out there hopefully i found a home in the nba i love playing with this group of guys the organization is great to me the community has been great to me it's the happiest i have been during my nba career that was kevin martin january 2013 okay sam amick interviewed him June 2013. So now this is after the disappointment of the playoffs. Yeah. He says, you're definitely reading me right in the sense that if things don't work out with OKC, then I think there's no other option than me being back in a starting shooting guard role. I feel like as a two guard, I didn't even show it this year because of playing with Kevin and Russ, which I enjoyed, but I can still wake up and score 20, 21 points a game in my sleep. 
Yeah. I'm working this summer like I've always worked in the past, being the number one guy. So if it doesn't work out with OKC, I feel like there's no other team where he wouldn't start in the league unless I went to Miami with a D-Wade or the Lakers behind Kobe. I'm only 30, still in the middle of my prime. So uh, once again, like a year after James Harden, play, come, having him come off the bench, knowing that he wants to be a starter, we're kind of like reenacting it with a 30-year-old Kevin Martin, who to his credit, when he did get traded to Minnesota, he had two seasons in a row where he averaged like 19 and 20. Yeah, and he took the so least he, amount of shots since his second year in the league. He took 10 shots a game with OKC. Right. And he was accustomed to taking 15 is really where he was the rest of his career and then was bumped back up to that in Minnesota. Um, but it's a, it is, when we talk about like sacrifice and stuff like that, when players talk about it, you can, it sounds cliche and a lot of times it is, and you kind of can like, you know, roll your eyes at whatever they say, but like Kevin Martin had to sacrifice in order to, to be on this team. Uh, and, and I think if they had gone deeper in the playoffs, which they would have if the Patrick Beverly thing doesn't happen, yes, all of this probably feels totally different to Kevin Martin because oh, yeah. it's like now I sacrifice to get even if it's like a conference finals appearance, yeah, which I'm pretty sure would be further than he has ever been. I don't remember I mean, Kmart being on any good playoff no, I mean, teams. He played for Sacramento and those bad Houston teams. So yeah, so then post free agency, so so we make this sign and trade. He goes to Minnesota. The Timberwolves start out 3-0, and Andrew. <laughs> After a win over the Knicks, Kevin Martin said, this is such a fun team to play on. Nobody is trying to lead the league in scoring here. Everybody has the big picture of getting to the playoffs. Now, a few things. First of all, at that time, three games in the season, Kevin Love was leading the league in scoring Wow, at 29.7 points per game. He ended up finishing fourth. But he wasn't and trying to. He wasn't trying to. He was just came, coming naturally. Minnesota finished that season 40 and 42, which to their credit was their best finish in nine years, but it was also good for 10th in the Western conference. Yeah. They clearly weren't focused on the big picture enough. because they did not. <laughs> so both of the things he said were false, but he, he took that little shot. Yeah. At OKC, which I just thought that that arc from January to the following fall was interesting with Kevin Martin. Yeah. Clearly it was going well. And Kev, then, he was put in the perfect role when this team was healthy. He mm -hmm. was exactly where he needed to be, coming off the bench. You can go get buckets, and then you can finish. You can be in the closing lineup, and probably sometimes not. It was the perfect role for a guy like Kevin Martin. Um, and it was, you know, it just fell apart because he was asked to basically step up and be the number two guy. And the playoffs are just different. You know, Kevin Martin can go and average 20 in a regular season. That's great. He averaged, I mean, his, when he's 25, he averaged 24.6 points per game. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Shooting 41% from three, uh, almost four boards, almost three assists. Like, that's, a, that's a really good player. But the, the playoffs are just a different animal. And they couldn't beat that Memphis team with him as the number two to Kevin Durant as the number one. I mean, it just kind of shows you the player he was. And it also shows you like why the Thunder weren't willing to go the distance with Kevin Martin and bring him back, uh, which I think... I think was the right decision. If they signed him to like a four-year deal, the last two years of that four-year deal were looking pretty bad. Yeah. So that's the Kevin Martin story. Uh, bringing that one to a close. I have really nothing bad to say about him. I enjoyed my time with Kevin Martin. He was good. He was really good here. He was good. Um, okay, before we get to the draft, we did sign one free agent, 2013, Ryan Gomes. Yeah. 
He's like on a like partially guaranteed deal. I, I, I remember being excited about Ryan Gomes. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he in the original uh, KG trade? He was in the KG trade from Minnesota yeah. to, to Boston. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, um, he was, you know, wasn't very good. But, you know, it was a name that we knew. It was a name that we knew, and it wasn't a 40-year-old point guard. So it was a little <laughs> different. It was a little different for us. It was fun. Yeah. Oh uh, okay, so now we're moving on to the draft. This, of course, is the Anthony Bennett draft. Yeah. Uh, also known as the Giannis draft. Yeah. <laughs> if you're more uh, glass half full. I have a video of Anthony Bennett being taken, and I remember, you obviously remember Bill Simmons' reaction, but do you remember what Shane Battier said when he interviewed him? I do not. Let's, let's watch and find out. With the first pick in the 2013 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers select... Anthony Bennett Whoa! of Toronto, Canada, and the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Whoa! Anthony Bennett, after one year at UNLV, becomes the first player taken in the 2013 NBA draft. Reese, I need medical help. <laughs> <laughs> The look of shock on your face. Oh my God. You see Bennett walking up, getting the congratulations from John Calipari, the Kentucky coach, and Nerlens Noel's coach. And you saw the disappointment on Noel's face that he wasn't selected number one. A sense of pride there. Everybody wants to be the number one pick, especially if you're in the conversation. These are the nights that players remember competitively. Thanks, Reese. Here are the number one pick Jabbar. Magic. LeBron, Bennett, how's that sound? Sounds pretty good, man. I mean, you know, being the number one pick has a lot of, you know, a lot of name to it. But, you know, I just feel like it's the game of basketball. So I'm going to call here, you know, work hard, um, encourage my teammates, you know, and just do what I can. You're the highest drafted Canadian ever. What's this mean for you and for Canada? I mean, it's history, man. Hopefully we can repeat it, you know, next year with Andrew Wiggins coming in. But, you know, it's just a, a great honor, you know, um, I'm speechless right now. I can't even know. I don't even know what to say, basically. <laughs> Reese, number one pick, Anthony Bennett. Congratulations. Jabbar. Hey, shout out. LeBron. <laughs> Bennett. Shout out to uh, uh, Anthony Bennett predicting that Andrew Wiggins would go uh, number one the yeah, following season. Yeah, that was quite impressive. Uh, Nailed that. It was a shock that night. So where we were, down to Dunkhead, we were starting to – we had started the show – and Jay and I did a live podcast that night from my house. It was just me and him. It wasn't live, obviously, but like we recorded it live. And we were shocked by the Bennett thing. I don't even think you can download this show. Um, but we got to where the Thunder were picking. We both really wanted Shabazz Muhammad. And they drafted Stephen Adams. We just turned the show off. Like We just, we just stopped. We were, not, we were not happy with that pick. Yeah, I wasn't either. I, I remember, uh, by the way, delete your tweets. But I, I remember what I tweeted that <laughs> night, which was like, man, the blue are going to be really good next year. Like I had. And by the way, my reason for saying that, I started going back over what people were saying about Stephen Adams. Yeah. The overwhelming 
opinion about Steven Adams was that he was a year or two away from contributing at all. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And with by his second year in the league, he was starting almost all of his games. I think he started 67 of 70 games. He didn't even start season. for Pitt. <laughs> yeah. He didn't start for Pitt. How was he going to start in the NBA? That's how it felt. I remember I had Anthony Slater on. Anthony Slater, this was before Thunder Buddy started. This was... Slater had just started at the Oklahoman. I emailed him because I knew that he was going to be doing NBA stuff. And I was like, hey, would you like to come on the show? He's like, yeah, we did over-unders. Over, I said I said to Slater, over-under 100 NBA minutes this year for Steven Adams. I think we both <laughs> took the under. <laughs> and that was like, that was not just a local opinion. That was every single thing I read, every draft grade I read was yeah. about like, this guy has a ton of upside. He's going to be a project. Yeah, this draft back, was so so bad. Oh my gosh, it was it was terrible. Which is why we talked last week about how how OKC has this pick from the Harden trade. It's Toronto Raptors pick, and there were some things that could have happened that would have made it like a little bit better. But like other than potentially taking CJ McCollum, which would have been good long term, like even if they had moved up a few spots, like it wouldn't have been <laughs> amazing. Assuming they're not taking Giannis, which they didn't take him at twelve, so why would I think they'd take him yeah. if they'd gone up to Did like you watch eight or the nine? Giannis? There's a there's a movie about Giannis on Disney Rise? Plus. Rise. Have you I've watched not, it? I've not watched it yet. No. Yeah. So on the movie, and I actually keep forgetting to check on this, but I need to check on this. Um, on the movie, they say they they met with Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City were only interested in Giannis if he would go back to Greece. And he That's didn't. so strange because they did not do that with any other player. I know. That's why I don't know if I believe it. But that's it's in the movie. They say because the part of like the storyline is that Giannis was like desperately trying to get um, like visas for his family because they were just like on yeah. the run, and they wanted to go to the NBA as fast as possible so they could get his family to the U.S. and that they could you know, basically es- escape the law, you know, because they were just in, a, they were just in such a bind. Um, and so they had to, they had, it had to be now. Like if we're, if we're going to do this, it has to be now. And the, the Thunder executive, which doesn't look like a Thunder executive at all in the, uh, in the movie. Um, but they say that like, okay, C is interested, but they want to, they don't want to bring him over now. So I don't know if that's true. I have no idea if that's true. Um, but yeah, that's, that's so weird because obviously Surge was a similar situation and everyone thought he was going to stay overseas. And not only did he come over, but he like was immediately playing. He said he said one year. Surge? Yeah. He did? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I have no memory of that. Surge, oh, well then. Surge stayed one year because he was in the Westbrook draft and then he came over whenever Harden was drafted. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, now yeah. that makes me kind of believe this then. Yeah. It may be true. I have, I have no idea if it's true or not. Because the only thing I, I, I looked for, I did Google search, did my time frame, looked for any link between Thunder and Giannis. Yeah. And the only thing I found was a New York Times article about the list of executives who went to Greece to watch Giannis. Mm-hmm. And Presti was the first name. But it was also like Danny Ferry, Daryl Morey, Masai, Danny Ainge, Ryan McDonough. Like yeah. a, a lot of people did go over to watch Giannis. Yeah. So we know that Presti did his homework at the very least on Giannis. Yeah. 
but and, that's and, all I could find. There, were, I could not find like any rumor about like the Thunder are interested in Giannis or like, oh, Giannis might go as high as twelve to the Thunder. I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't find anything like that. Yeah, um, it's hilarious the amount of players, and this this is a bad bad draft. There's like we talk about like tiers. Like there's not a tier one player in this draft. You know, that's Vasini was saying that about this last draft. Like, where do we start? Like. I mean, I know Giannis ended up being what he was, but when we're talking about at like draft time. I wonder, like, is there a tier two player in this draft? Like, would you call Oladipo a tier two player? Like, I don't even know if you yeah, would so, do that. So, so going into the draft, initially, everyone was like, Nerlens Noel is obviously the number one pick, right? And then he got injured towards ACL, I believe, and. A week before the draft, actually a couple days before the draft, I found a couple of mock drafts, uh, Jonathan Wasserman and then Draft Express. Mm-hmm. Both of them had Alex Len going number one. I kind of remember that, time. that, yeah. And yeah. I found Chad Ford's mock draft from a day before the draft. He still had Nerlens going number one, but he said, I know that all of the like smoke is saying Alex Len right now, but I'm sticking with Nerlens Noel. Obviously, both of them turned out to be wrong. Yeah, but yeah, Alex Len was like the big push in the few days before the draft. Like, this is going to be the number one pick, which is so wild to think about. It's so disastrous. Like the trio of Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel. It's just like such a disaster. Like three big men that are just like not really skilled at all. You know? Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean Nerlens, even his like biggest proponents were thinking of him as just like this crazy defender. Yeah, that was going blocker. to be like a a modern anchor yeah. for a for a defense, but you weren't thinking about his offense at all. Yeah, uh, Daniel in the chat says, if you listen to the Woj's pods three the three episode Giannis special, I'm sorry, I can't listen to the Woj pod. It is the most boring podcast ever. But maybe I'll go listen to this. But it is the worst <laughs> podcast. Um, um, if I remember right, Giannis's agent was trying to force him to Atlanta. Yeah, that's yes. They were they were trying to go in the first round, and Atlanta had two picks, back to back, sixteen, seventeen. Um, they were just trying to get him taken in the first round, and you know, the Bucks obviously was like the best place <laughs> for Giannis. Um, not that any place would have been bad for him, but um, OKC would have been pretty good too if they would have just brought him over, you know. And and in hindsight. It would have been amazing because the Thunder had these had this year coming up where like everybody's hurt and like if that whole year like Giannis is just playing the whole time, where you just get to develop him all year like that's, uh, that's yeah not, not too it, bad. yeah it's a weird thing because looking back at the draft, one of the reasons why we we see the Stephen Adams pick as being like a good pick is because he was able to come in and help almost immediately yeah even though reading back like that was not the perception of him at all. No, and so I, I wonder if the if the Thunder drafted him thinking this guy is like way further along than anyone else thinks, or if they were also looking at it as a project that just happened to like really develop in his first couple of years. Yeah, because if if they were thinking of it as a project, well, then you know, taking him or Giannis, like they they were both thought of as massive projects at the time of the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I, I found a pre-draft interview with Chad Ford, mm-hmm. who the rumor at that time was that the Thunder were looking to move up to number one. Yeah. Oh gosh, I remember. They're which is to get, very funny. They're trying to get Vic. It, 
Yes, and he and the question was, what would it realistically take for them to get there? He said, Cleveland wants a vet for this, a vet for the pick. They're not interested in anything but that. So you look at the Thunder roster, obviously there's no way they're moving Durant, no way they're moving Russ, so it's pretty clear they would probably take Surge to get to the number one pick. I don't think it's likely the Thunder would do that. It's just hilarious because that is the trade that ended up happening yeah. in a few years, and Surge for Victor Oladipo. And pick 11. And pick 11, yes. And back then it probably would have been Surge and 12 to get up to one yes. to take Victor Oladipo. So you just hold, you just hold out a little bit, you get, you get, you get some more. Um, <laughs> yeah, just hold out four years or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then they asked him, okay, if the Thunder do stay at 12, who will they be targeting? He said, I think the two guys you should look at if you want bigs are Steven Adams and Kelly Olenek, mm-hmm. very different players. Mm-hmm. I remember being into Kelly Olenek. Oh, yeah. I, I like the idea of him. And to be honest, like in a draft this mediocre, like he ends up looking like one of the better <laughs> picks. He's still in the league. Like he, he, yeah, he might be in like the top 10. He's definitely in like the top 14 of this draft if you yeah. go back. Oh, without um, a doubt. Have you seen Kelly O'Linick's, uh wedding photos? I have not. Congrats. Okay. I am. Congrats. There's another reason to tune in to the stream because I'm going to put a wedding photo of Kelly Olenek here on the stream. Are there- and it is it is glorious. Um, all right, in my head, I already have. I'm already imagining wearing an all white tux. I'm doing this on the fly. Nope, here it is. No, okay. Oh, he's wearing a backwards ball he's cap. He's wearing a snapback hat. Wow. And a tuxedo on his wedding day. I wonder what the. Ha- I wonder if the hat is just a black hat or if there's a logo on the front. I don't know. Let me see. Very interesting. I can't. Snap back at the wedding. Snap back at the wedding. I've got another angle. I, I can't. I don't think I can see what is on this hat. Um, but it's just. But, uh, uh, it's a choice. You know, everybody has choices to make in life, and this was his choice. I can't. You can't see it, but it wow. is. Um, it is amazing. Well, good for him. Good yeah. for him. Uh, he would have been good on the Thunder too because he could like, he can shoot it. He absolutely would have. And and like one of the bigger ideas that I want to get across on this episode, and I don't even blame the Thunder really, is that so many of their decisions over these next couple of years are about getting big guys. Yeah. At a time when the league still thought that was the way to go. I mean, yeah. we're going to talk about next year's draft where Philly, like super smart Sam Hinkie, takes Jaleel Okafor, a guy who oh. – Nowadays, like, would he be in the lottery? No. I don't know. No. The answer is no. no. He would not be in the lottery. No. There's no way he would be in the lottery. No. 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 And and the the, the killer is that, you know, we we obviously didn't know what was coming. Mm -hmm. Like, at that time, yes, we were talking about small ball. Yes, we were talking about positional basketball. But it was all in the context of the Miami Heat. Mm Mm-hmm. And as excited as you could get about like the future of basketball is going to be positionless, you also had the context of it's it's LeBron and <laughs> Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Like, good luck <laughs> replicating that with whatever small ball idea you have. Like, it felt like it was so unique to the greatest player of all time and to like like Hall of Famers. Yeah, that you understood why teams weren't jumping at the bit to like to to go small. But at the same time, they had Westbrook, the Durant, time, and they Serge had, Ibaka. They had the perfect <laughs> they had small the... ball center with Serge Ibaka. <laughs> the perfect. Ah! Oh, my God. Kills okay. me. 
Uh, so in terms of draft grades, basically the same across the board. Yahoo, B+, NBADraft.net, B, B, Chad Ford, B+. Yeah. Now, we didn't even mention, so the draft, Steven Adams at 12, Andre Robertson at 29, Alex Sabrina's 32. Is it, that's about as good that's as a, you could do in a draft in that like draft, this. Yes, that is definitely way above average in that draft for having three picks, kind of hitting on all of them. Obviously, what happened with Abrinas like wasn't foreseeable, but yeah, he, we we were excited about Abrinas for a lot of that. Yeah, still, and like there's nobody else in the in the second round that you're like, man, they really miss on that guy. Uh, another guy that the Thunder have had on their their team that was in this draft, Mike Muscala, pick forty fourth. Yes, um, yes, yes. Uh, okay, NBA Draft.net. Who was their comp for Stephen Adams going into the draft? Do you remember? Oh gosh, no. This is probably my favorite comp of NBA Draft.net of all time. No. Their comp for Steven Adams, Byron, don't call me BJ Mullins. Oh, yeah. I do. Just a bizarre comp. Uh, Just a really bad one. There was a time where NBA Draft on that was actually really good. And it started, this is about where it starts to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Chad Ford's synopsis of the Thunder's draft one upside. Adams has a ton of it with great NBA size and strength and ability to shut down people in the paint. If his offensive game comes around, he could be really good. Sounds sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. Want rebounds? Robertson was one of the two or three best rebounders in the draft, an athletic specialist who might carve out a Reggie Evans-esque career. Yeah, Why that is interesting is because everyone talked about Robertson as a rebounder and about his rebounding as like the main like NBA skill he had. Yeah. He he never averaged more than like 5.1 rebounds say. per game in the NBA. <laughs> But that was yeah, like I thought his he was big Kenneth thing Reed coming into that draft. coming in the NBA. Like I thought, okay, we drafted Stephen Adams, who might be BJ Mullins, and Robertson, who's like Kenneth Reed. And I was like, well, those are both very wrong, you know? Yeah. And then he said, "Want to score? Abrinas has a chance to be a better version of Rudy Fernandez if OKC is patient. Yeah. Once shooting, Jarrett. We haven't mentioned him yet. Grant Jarrett oh, has Grant the ability Jarrett. to be a lethal stretch four. We uh, one of the trades I didn't mention. We did send some cash to Portland for the rights to draft Grant Jarrett. Yeah. No neck. Uh, anything else about 2013 you want to talk about, or do you feel like you've you've heard it all? You're ready to make your decision. Um." It's we still haven't mentioned everybody that the Thunder have had that was in this draft, like starting <laughs> yeah, from starting from the number two pick Oladipo. They had Nerlens Noel uh, from this draft. They had Dennis Schroeder, who was picked seventeenth in this draft. Oh, yeah. yeah, Dennis Schroeder. Um, obviously, they picked Andre at twenty six, but then Abrinas and Grant Grant Jarrett. Oh my gosh! And then our guy Mike. Um, it's just bizarre that they have targeted this putrid draft and have, you know, at least they've gotten some good guys from it. But man, they were just, was Isaiah Cannon? He was on the Thunder too. He was picked 34th. Mm. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So uh, looking back at that off season, we talked about Kevin Martin, talked about the draft, Ryan Gomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is your final grade for that off season? I'll give it a B minus. That was exactly what I was going to say. Because, like, obviously it all comes down to Giannis. Yeah, I mean, if you pick Giannis, it's A plus. And we're also, like, we're doing this from, like, a championship We might have had multiple parades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, no. Uh, But assuming that Giannis just wasn't, I mean, he was an option, but, but taking him off the table. Yeah. Like, of every other option out there, like they did pretty well. They made the they right had. choice. Yeah. If you take Giannis off off the table completely, then it's like, yeah, they made the right choice at twelve. 
That was a and, good pick. And like we'll eventually get to the point where we're talking about how how close this team got. I mean, this is a team that got within a game of making another finals appearance. Yeah. And this whole period that we're talking about, we're talking about how they needed to add pieces to this core. They got two pieces that were on that mm-hmm. 2016 like playing significant minutes with Steven Adams and Andre Robertson. So that yeah. that is a win. So I think B minus factors in that. Yeah. Plus the like Giannis miss. Plus the Giannis miss. Plus the Rudy Gobert miss too. Yeah, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert went 27th. The Thunder picked Andre Robertson 26th. There is a world where the Thunder take Rudy Gobert and Giannis in this draft. Don't. No, it's not. The world doesn't exist. Jay, I All right. hope that you throw up today. Moving on to 2014. Now, this is, oh, I would say, like, <laughs> obviously, we knew going into the Harden draft or the Harden trade year that that was going to be a tough one to talk about. Yeah. This one, like, snuck up on me. When, I, when you actually start going through all the decisions that were made and then just the things that happened to the Thunder. <laughs> it was a rough summer. And let's start with the Pau Gasol pursuit. Oh, no. Because this was a big deal at the time. It was a huge deal. This is like the in, reason that my phone died like three times a day. Because you were waiting for Pau Gasol news. It's just refreshing Twitter just all day just waiting for any sort of Pau Gasol news. So the first thing I want to mention is, remember what we talked about? They traded Kevin Martin for a traded player exception. And yep. they didn't end up using that this summer. Darnell Mayberry gave us the reason why. Mm-hmm. He said the team had the opportunity to acquire up to $6.6 million in salary via trade without needing to send that amount back. But two big issues prevented the Thunder from consummating a deal. Pau Gasol and the tax level. Mm-hmm. The Thunder's payroll is roughly $5.8 million shy of the luxury tax threshold. If you use the entire exception, it puts the Thunder over the tax and all but eliminate the team's chances of landing Gasol. Using a portion of the exception is a possibility, but should Gasol choose the Thunder, the team would then again be over the tax in that scenario. The Thunder is striving to remain under the tax for at least another year to avoid becoming a repeat taxpayer. Starting with the 2015-16 season, teams that were taxpayers in three out of the previous four years will be subject to more punitive tax rates. OKC's goal is to cross that bridge when star players such as Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and Serge Ibaka are in their primes and on their third contracts rather than biting that bullet now and running the risk of being unable to retain its core. So this was kind of the setup for this summer, Mm -hmm. which is that they're trying to squeeze one last year without paying the tax. Yeah, Pay the tax! Pay the tax. Best you go to the can. finals, pay the tax. So now we get this chance with Pau Gasol. Yeah. He's 34 years old at the time. Yeah. Woj initially reports that he's looking for 10 to $12 million per year annually. Yeah. I think it's easy to just see those numbers with 34-year-old Pau Gasol. Like maybe we kind of dodged a bullet here. You know? Maybe we dodged a bullet. He eventually signs with Chicago, three years, $22.3 million. He averaged 18.5 points per game, 11.8 rebounds per game, 2.7 assists that first year. 1.9 he was blocks. An all, he was an all-star in both of his two seasons, years. first two seasons in Chicago. Yeah. Which I did not remember at all. Yeah. And Chicago never did anything. Like, they lost in the second round to Cleveland, and then I think they didn't even make the playoffs his second year. So I want to talk about how this deal was going to be constructed because the Thunder could only offer him $5 million in the first year of his deal. Yeah, yeah, I remember The that. only way they could give him more than Chicago was to orchestrate a sign-in trade with the Lakers. 
LA would need to sign Gasol into its salary cap space, which would give Gasol a contract twice as large as that. The th- and they'd, but they'd have to take back Kendrick Perkins and perhaps a few pot sweeteners. And then Darnell Mayberry says, why would the Lakers take back Perkins? Start with the fact that LA is at risk of losing Gasol for nothing. If the Lakers help the Thunder in this manner, OKC could send them a quality post defender, perhaps some mix of future draft pick, a prospect such as Tibor Pleiss, or maybe <laughs> Perry Jones III. Not only could Lakers slide Perkins in nicely with Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, and number seven overall pick Julius Randle, but LA also retains ample room under the cap to chase an additional star this summer. And because Perkins' $9 million deal is coming off the books, in addition to Nash's deal, the Lakers would have about $19 million in expiring contracts next summer. Mm -hmm. The other thing he brings up is Mike Miller, which this is the part I had completely forgotten. Yep, Mike Miller and Pau Gasol teammates for five seasons in Memphis. They share the same agent at the time, powerful Arn Tellum, who also represents Kendrick Perkins. Mike Miller turned down the thunder last summer to return to Memphis and already has expressed his desire to remain with the Grizzlies, but how might the presence of Gasol on the thunder change his mind? OKC is reportedly again targeting Miller, and when Miller posts an internet picture of himself and Durant in LA this week, it only fueled speculation that he could be headed this way. So this is kind of like what we were thinking at this time, like we might get Mike Miller and Pau Gasol, Mike Miller, Thunder Killer, Mike Miller and Pau Gasol. I don't know if it was ever actually close because, like, why would the Lakers do? I, I get that Darnell laid out why they might take back Kendrick Perkins, but yeah. wasn't that the summer that they made the big deal for Dwight Howard? For Dwight, yes, they wouldn't have done so, it. Yeah, so I don't think they would have done it. It, w- it was really the only option was for him to come here on the five million, which that makes it seem like, oh, it was probably never really a possibility, even though at the time it felt like this could actually happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> just... which which doesn't make me feel as bad about it. I know, I know, but at the same time, like it just if if this team was in. New York or whatever, you know, he probably would have taken it. You know, like that's just the the part about like okay. being in the small market. Okay, so we're gonna get to this because obviously the big news after this was that he he loved the opera. Opera, yeah. And OKC didn't have an opera. Yeah, yeah. In a documentary, this is Darnell Mabry again. In a documentary produced by HBO Sports last fall, KD said the city's culture was a heavy influencer in Gasol's decision. He was more concerned about the city. Durant said of Gasol in the documentary, he's into like orchestras and plays. Mm -hmm. Gasol refuted that theory and said it was about basketball. He said, no, to me, it was where I would fit best on the court. I'm sure there are musicals and theaters in Oklahoma as well. That wasn't a difference maker for me at all, but I do appreciate music and culture, but that was not a difference maker for my decision. That that was how Pal Gasol responded. To those claims, trying to win the top. I mean, I guess it just depends on what you want to do. If you want to go put up numbers, then yeah, he went to the right situation to put up numbers. But if you want and he to got win, more money, if we think that they could have yeah. never swung a sign and trade deal, right? And if his goal, but if his only goal, because he had made a ton of money by that point, if your only goal is like go win the title, like it's pretty obvious. And that was, yeah. and he had already done that twice. So clearly, that was not the you know winning another title was not the motivator for him. Right. So, and uh, but guess what? Arguably, still OKC's best free agent summer because let me tell you who else they brought in. Yeah. Sebastian Telfair gave yep. us some minutes. Admit Anthony Morrow, legitimately yep. good free agent signing. 
He's a top Lance, three free agency signing for the Thunder, yes. Lance Thomas. Lance like, Thomas. Hey, Lance Thomas was good. good. He was good. Yeah. And Ish Smith, who's yeah. still in the NBA. So, like, compared to other free agent but summers. They didn't sign Ish in the City, summer. They signed Ish in the season. Oh, they did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, still, I'm going to count them. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that that's the free agency deal with 2014. Yeah. There were two trades before we get to the draft. They traded uh, Yorgos, the first Yorgos. Yorgos. <laughs> the first of many Yorgoses. The first of many Yorgoses. Plus Tabo to Atlanta. Yeah. For a guy called, uh, his his name is Sophocles Shortsenitas. Sophocles Shortsenitas. And they got a TPE for that. Don't know if they use it. Mm-hmm. They also traded Hashim Thabit plus cash to Philly for a TPE and a 2015 second, which did not convey. So nothing too exciting there, but they did move on from Tabo. And that was kind of like a big deal. That was a big deal. Yeah. So now we come to the draft, Andrew. Uh, How would you like to start with the draft? Man, I was at my friend Jeremy's house. It was at his house in Edmond, kind of not far from where I'm at now. And there was, you know, there were some hopes and some dreams of particular players ending up on the teams, particularly Rodney Hood was somebody mm. that I had really wanted on this team. Um, Especially because Tabo was leaving. It seemed like an easy one-for-one kind of deal. Yeah, we always needed some kind of shooter. Uh, I was also a big slow-mo guy at the time uh, where I was working. Um, a guy that I worked with was friends with slow-mo's dad. And so I, we, oh, wow. we talked about Kyle Anderson all the time. And... It's like, man, he'd be you had inside scoop. I did. Uh, even KJ McDaniels, Cle uh, Anthony Early was another guy that that missed, but that was a guy that we were talking about. Um, yeah, and then at, at twenty one, at twenty one, it was like, let's let's get Rodney Hood. Maybe Gary Harris falls to us. Like, let's that's who that's who we wanted. And who did they go with, Andrew? Who did they end up going with at twenty one? They picked Mitch. McGarry, who now is just a great, great Thunder. He's a character. Like he's a character he, in this Thunder story. He's absolutely character. But the thing I'd forgotten was just how crazy his story was going into it's, this draft. It's crazy. So his freshman year at Michigan, he helps get them to the NCAA championship game. Yep. And he, he is a major part of it. He pl- plays a major role. He has a really great uh, tournament. In the days before the game, Draft Express had Mitch McGarry ranked ninth in the following year's draft. So the draft we're talking about, this is back in 2013, though. And there were serious questions about whether he might just come out after one year and enter the 2013 draft. Yep. (laughs) You think he should have? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He'd be a great character in the 2013 draft. What if he comes out and they take him over Steven Adams (laughs) at number 12? (laughs) Well, maybe we have Rodney Hood next year. Uh, yeah, maybe they're not as good because Stephen Adams did offer a little in his rookie season. Yeah, he did. Uh, but basically, like McGarry was like a big time prospect. Oh yeah, seriously talking about him coming out in that 2013 draft. He does actually he not to. There's actually a foreshadowing of McGarry becoming a member of the Thunder that I would like to show you real quick. This is him playing. This was like. The summer, I can't, I think this was the summer after his second year. Um, he's playing at like some tournament outside and he breaks a backboard. And here's the uh, the quick interview with they gave me a nickname, White Chocolate, a couple of days ago because I'm the only white kid here. But I guess they call me White Thunder now because I break down the backboard. So, 
Can we do it one more time? <laughs> yeah. Is that okay? Run that back. They gave me a nickname, White Chocolate, a couple of days ago. Because I'm the only white kid here, but I guess they call me White Thunder now because I break down the backwards. So. <laughs> he is like one of my favorite people to listen to speak English. Uh, so he, he comes back. He decides not to enter draft. He comes back sophomore season. Yeah. Major back injury eight games into the season. Yeah, yeah. It ends up ending his year. He's not going to be coming back at all. He has back surgery out for the season. So now it's mid-March. He's still recovering from this major back surgery. He's at a party on campus, and he is offered marijuana, Andrew. Yep. And Mitch McGarry has a moment of weakness, and he decides to partake in the marijuana. Now, Mitch, no. McGarry, McGarry claims that this is the only time he accepted weed yeah. in college. And you, you can choose not to believe that based on the fact that he violated the NBA's drug policy twice uh, with the Thunder. Yeah. But – what is true is Mitch McGarry was tested eight different times at Michigan. He always passed. Okay, yep. So that, I think that's important context. It is. So this is a guy who, like, he, he thought he was going to be, like, a top 10 pick the previous year if he had come out. Now he has this back surgery. Now his stock is falling. Like, he, and he mentioned, like, he was not in a good place at this time. No. Because he, he didn't know what was going to happen. So now it's mid-March, which means it's tournament time. As a way to improve team morale, Michigan coach John Beeline had Mitch McGarry dress for the tournament game, even though he knew he couldn't play, just to oh, kind of get everyone excited. Like, I, I don't know why. I mean, Mitch is wearing his uniform. He's not going to play, but look at him. He could play. Maybe. The NCAA decides to randomly test Mitch McGarry. But he could have been randomly tested whether he wore a uniform or not. That's true, but do you believe that? I don't if he know. Was in a I suit, don't know. Would they really have tested him? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But they were all so subject te- to testing. Like the whole team, including like trainers and everybody were. But anyways, they were. And were they tested? Or I was the guy who was coming I don't know who was tested. I don't know who was tested. Or was it the guy who talks like this that was tested? They gave me a nickname, White Chocolate, a couple of days ago. Because I'm the only white kid here. But I guess they call me White Thunder now because I break down the backwards. So. <laughs> it was that guy that they tested. Okay, so they test him. He te- Guess what? He tests positive. And... <laughs> He is suspended from collegiate sports for a year. Now, if he had tested positive on campus during yeah. the regular season, the punishment would have been left up to the school. They could have said, uh, you know, five games and yeah. you're good. Or how about just the rest of this season? Because he was already going to be out yeah. and come back next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, In fact, riff, riff for him a little bit. I'll be, I'll be right back. I don't have to riff. I have plenty to talk about. Uh, not only that. Okay, so that's that's like one thing that's, that's uh, like bad luck. Because... He tested during the tournament, which made it an automatic one-year suspension. No outs. No, no lenience at all. Like It's not like you go to like a council and they decide. It's like you get a one-year suspension and that's it. The NCAA knew that the one-year ban was too severe and, in fact, had already decided to change the rule to a half season. But that new rule didn't take effect until April 15th of that year, which was a few days after McGarry was tested. If he had been tested literally a week later, his punishment would have been half as bad. Oh my God. But because it was when it was, because John Beeline had dressed him up like it was Halloween, even though he wasn't playing, he gets tested, he tests positive, he's out for the following season. That punishment essentially forces McGarry to enter the NBA draft because if he hadn't, he wasn't going to play the following season. And by that time, he would have been 22. At this point, he was still 21. Yeah. 
So like that's the sequence of events that has to happen for Mitch McGarry to even be a possibility for the Thunder in that 2014 draft. Yeah. Just a terrible, a very unlucky and like unfair in some ways series of events for Mitch McGarry. Yeah. Uh, here's Going Mitch McGarry's. Here's Mitch McGarry's response to the sequence of events that happened to him in college. It's a penalty if you fail a drug test. Um, but you know, like I said, it happens, and hopefully some kids can learn from it. But just don't get caught. Now, if advice, you're not, to, advice if you're to the <laughs> youth of America: just don't get caught. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're if you're just listening to the pod, I want to paint the picture of what that video was. It was Mitch McGarry in his Thunder jersey <laughs> in a parking lot. In a parking lot in his Thunder jersey. No one around him. Unclear why he's where he is. Unclear why he's wearing a Thunder jersey. And then just, just talking about this. A lot of people say like there are people who are before their time. I would say Mitch McGarry in some ways was before his time because like the the harsh penalties on marijuana, smoking weed, like it was so insane back then. Yeah. A one year suspension. Whereas now, like in the NBA, like guys don't even get like fined even anymore. Get for it anymore, yeah. Like they 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 they're not. I don't even know if they test for it anymore, or if they do test it, they tell them like it's going to be on this exact day. I know that's right. how it was like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't remember but, what, the, what it is. But yeah, you're not getting in trouble for marijuana anymore. 
yeah so on the one hand like obviously he he knew what the rules were yeah but on the other hand like he was a few years away from none of this mattering and it c- completely derailed his career completely. And, and there was actually a really sad quote like the the summer before they ended up waving him yeah where he just had like this very honest moment where he was like yeah i messed up my career in college and it kind of feels like i'm messing up my professional career here now yeah. i just hope i get another chance it just sucks because like there were flashes with McGarry in a way that there weren't with some of these other picks that we're I going posted to talk it about. last night. I posted, I went back and watched a bunch of Mitch McGarry on YouTube last night, and it was like, wow, uh, he is legitimately a good player. I mean, there were there were some moments where he was just like a, a great big man. He's really skilled. He could really finish. He could handle and pass a little bit. I mean, he was kind of like you know, poor man's Kevin Love in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely was. And uh, so it's it's a bummer how it all ended. You, like, sort of understand why they would be intrigued by Mitch McGarry. At the yeah. same time, like, nowadays when we talk about, like, the Thunder player, like, you would have never guessed. Like, if we had a player like Mitch McGarry nowadays, you would never guess that the Thunder would tar- be targeting a guy like him. If Mitch McGarry was in the 2022 NBA draft, <laughs> there would have been no way... He would have been selected by the Thunder. Like zero zero percent chance he'd be selected by the Thunder. Um, Which makes me think that they thought he had like significant upside. Yeah, yeah. And like you look back and you can see why they thought that because you did get to see, you know, portions of that. Um, Okay. Couple more McGarry things. So this is media day. Um, We're going to get to Serge Ibaka here in a second. But this is the first player that we ever got to do the down to dunk intro was Mitch McGarry and Luke and I went and asked Mitch McGarry to do the intro and this is what we got the down to dunk podcast that's it all right let's do it okay oh it's going yeah whenever you're ready this is Mitch McGarry and you're listening to down to dunk the down the down to dunk podcast that's it I'm Mitch McGarry of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and you're listening to the Down to Dunk Podcast. Go Thunder. <laughs> Love it, dude. That's awesome. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Sorry, it's kind of slow. Do you want me to do it again? Let's try. This is Mitch McGarry of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and you're listening to the Down to Dunk Podcast. Love it. <laughs> he, na- he nailed the last one. He did. The last one was nailed great. <laughs> the process that it took <laughs> to get it was just amazing and it was it was looking back it was so mitch mcgarry the down to you know it's just so good yeah i i mean i i don't think anyone like disliked mitch mcgarry how could you Um, he was awesome he was great he really and and it was at a time when the team was so good that like the fact because he he had a major injury too when he came to the thunder he like broke his foot yeah 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 which obviously that set him back as well but the team was like we had our stars, so it kind of felt like this free, you know, free chance at a good guy down the road. We we I I certainly wasn't expecting that he would only end up being in the league a couple of years. Yeah, and then just be gone forever. Yeah, uh, a, a much more memorable for everybody else because I think we had twenty three listeners back whenever Mitch McGarry was the intro to our podcast. But um, <laughs> uh, Serge Ibaka at Media Day, not knowing who Mitch McGarry even is. Not even aware of who they took in the first round. This is John Rohde, um, 
asking about Mitch McGarry. Serge, how long have you been back and have you had a chance to play alongside Mitch McGarry? What do you think of his game, Mitch? Who? Mitch McGarry. Mitch McGarry. Mitch McGarry. <laughs> but I, did, I did play my finger game. I did get back in town a couple, two days ago. <laughs> okay. No, I was just wondering when you got back. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. two days ago. Yeah. Okay. You asking me if I, I have I, you had a chance to meet him yet. or what you think of him or not yet. Oh my gosh. It's, there's so many good things about it. Like the, the fact that he at the end just gets like legitimately pissed off that he's even being asked about Mitch McGarry. is <laughs> so good. When he asks who one, he doesn't move his mouth at all. I think Serge could be a great uh, ventriloquist. Um, but just how gently he's like, just legitimately has no clue who it is. I'm just going to go through the first part where he says who. Because it's just, I just died last night watching it. Serge, how long have you been back? And have you had a chance to play alongside Mitch McGarry? What do you think of his game, Mitch? Who? Mitch McGarry. <laughs> who? <laughs> He just has no <laughs> clue who Mitch McGarry is. Um, that is so funny. I mean, and I'm a sicko, and there's no way that I would not know if I was on an NBA team who they drafted, but it's just funny to me that a top three player on the team just has like no pulse, no idea what's going yeah. on and who they're taking in the draft. Like in the first round, they had two picks in the first round. You're like, okay, you know, I think you'd want to know who it is. He just didn't give a rip and didn't even know that he was a potential first round pick at all. Just no clue. Just you know, the other thing that clip brings up is that in terms of underused personalities while they were on the thunder, like surge is up there because now like with his cooking show, like you realize that like surge is like a very funny guy. Yeah. And he's like, He's just really good in front of the camera. And I, I don't I felt like the perception of him in Oklahoma City was just like this like stoic defender. And we never really got to see a ton of his personality in comparison to like someone like Steven Adams, who like yeah. everyone knew what his personality was like. Right. Like Serge is like a legitimately great personality. It's a great personality. It's one of my favorite Thunder videos ever. Um <laughs> anyways, Mitch, so that shout out to Mitch McGarry. He ended up trying to be a professional bowler. He owned a bunch of snakes, you know, you love snakes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I listen, my, my big takeaway after going through all this was just how bad of luck he had. Yeah. From where he started at Michigan to how that ended and how many different ways his career could have gone. Many of which were out of his control ultimately. Yeah. So some of them were in his control. He got drafted into a really good situation that he could have grown he, into. He did, and he he, did. he made, you know, he made s some choices. But you know, ultimately, you know, in you know, in the words of Mitch McGarry, the penalty if you fail a drug test. Um, but you know, like I said, it happens, and hopefully, some kids can learn from it. But just don't get caught. Just don't get caught, bro. Unfortunately, he did he multiple times. He got caught um, many okay. more times after that. <laughs> so the that was not their only pick, though. They also no. selected oh, number gosh. twenty-nine, Josh Houston. Is this going to be a three-hour podcast? Well, do you want to just do just this summer? I mean, just this. Yeah, yeah. We can two? we can finish with this one just because like okay. we have to go into this some. Yeah. So uh, some so two things from Zach Lowe. 
I, I think a lot of people know what I'm going to talk about with Zach Lowe because he wrote an entire article about Josh Eustis right yeah. after the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But prior to the draft, he had like kind of the predecessor to his 10 things article. And he talked about the Thunder, how much they were making. Yeah. So this is the summer of 2014, June 2014. He said, the Thunder are indeed paying into the revenue sharing system, rare for such a tiny market, but they're slated to make nearly 29 million in profit, which that's actually really funny when you think about Golden State, I think is making like 800 million in profit now. Uh, I guess that's not profit. So, but they're making 29 million in profit when everything is netted out. That's the fifth best projection in the league, Mm -hmm. trailing only the Lakers, Bulls, Rockets, and Celtics. So that's kind of like the setting for what's going on right now. Like we know that the Thunder are trying to squeeze like one or two more years out of not paying the tax because of the entire expectation is that they're going to re-sign KD. Right. And that this is going to be such a major deal when he resigns in 2016 and then when Russ resigns in 2017 that they are going to be like a repeater tax team forever. Yep. Like all of these decisions are being made with that assumption in mind. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So then they take Josh Eustis, pick 29. What what did did you I didn't even know he was a person. I didn't know he was a person either. I did go back and look at some mock drafts. Uh Wasserman did have him going at 50. So like maybe it wasn't like Vit Krejci off the board, but I would definitely say that like Josh Eustis was not some any like if you if you were doing uh, your podcast with McKelly, you guys would not have touched on Josh Eustis. For perspective, for, for do you have any clue who was taken at 50 in this in this last draft? Uh, no, I don't. A guy named Matteo Spagnolo. Let's say the Thunder had the 29th oh, yeah, pick know, in this draft, and they drafted him at 29th. Like, can you yes. imagine? But that wasn't what really made that pick interesting. I mean, that, that made it weird, for sure. It was so weird. It was but so weird. If they had just drafted this guy that none of us knew about, and just sign him to a normal rookie contract, it would be super weird, but at the yeah. same time, it's like, well, they took a guy, whatever. Yeah. But that's not what they did. No, they didn't do this. They did not offer him a rookie-scale deal. Nope. Instead, signing him to the Thunder's D-League team, the, at the time, the 66ers, mm-hmm. for something in the range of $25,000. Yeah. Now, this is from Zach Lowe. It seems ridiculous and almost exploitative. The gains for the Thunder are obvious at first glance. They don't have to pay Houston a dime this season, which is nice, since they are only about $1.8 million under the luxury tax. They have 15 players on their roster, including 14 guys with fully guaranteed contracts for 2014-15. Stashing Houston in the D-League saves them from having to cut someone, likely Hashim Thabit, who would seem eminently able to be cut. The Thunder might have taken Houston in the second round, but they apparently could not find a trade partner in the right pick range on draft night. A lot of folks around the league are more confused about why the Thunder did this than about Houston's perspective. Mm -hmm. They could have dealt the pick, and they tried to trade it for Amon Shumper ahead of last season's trade deadline. They could have drafted, sorry about Hank, they could have drafted a better player, traded in the second round, bought a second rounder, or just punted this experiment altogether. But they went this route in part because of a new rule this season that guarantees Houston will play only for the Thunder's D-League team. So this is before two-way contracts. Yeah. In, in, the, in Like nowadays, they would have just – Houston probably doesn't get drafted, and they probably just signed him to a two-way contract if they really did like him. Yeah. Back then, if you wanted a guy on your D-League team, like he could go to any D-League team. Like any team could take that player. Mm-hmm. Like there, there, there was no real like – system set up because I think at that time only 18 teams even had a D league team. Yeah. 
So it was this very weird situation. And on the one hand, you could say, well, if this was the 2013 draft, like, you know, big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, who did they really pass up, you know? In 2014, though. There's some dudes. So Josh Eustace goes 29. Kyle Anderson, 30. Mm-hmm. Joe Harris, 33. Spencer Didwini, 38. Jeremy Grant, 39. Nikola Jokic, 41. Dwight Powell, 45. Jordan his, Clarkson, Powell, 46. Yeah, they drafted the wrong Stanford guy. Vasily Micic, 52. We could have originally drafted him and been doing this for the last decade. (laughs) I think the part with the Houston thing is that there were so many other options. And the way Zach Lowe tells it, this was mostly like a a money deal to try to delay paying this whatever it was. I think his deal would have been guaranteed $1.5 million if he had signed like a normal rookie scale deal yeah, and they brought him delaying that by a year they brought him up the next year yeah there was yeah there were players that could have helped like if you just sign if you just take slow-mo like i don't know that would have taken him but man or if you just took jeremy grant you don't have to give up an asset you know later to get him and if you have him a little bit earlier maybe that's better for you um it was bad. It was bad. It was a bad experiment. Luckily, the two-way contract thing is is here now, and they've had some success with that with um, with several players, you know, notably uh, Lou Dort. But yeah, this was this draft. This was Sam's worst draft, like by far, because you could have walked away with Rodney Hood and Kyle Anderson, like two wings, like that were right there. You could have had two wings, or maybe you just take. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich at 21 instead of Mitch McGarry and bring him over later or use him as a trade chip, which he was used as a trade chip, and they got a lot for him. You know, there were a lot of like good wing options. And at the time, like, you just like, can we just get a wing? Can we get one wing? Can we get one guy that we think can play on the wing? And so they took Mitch McGarry and Josh Eustis, and Josh Eustis is a great guy. He did some great podcasts with Fred Katz. It was probably his biggest contributions. But Man, they're like legitimate pros in this draft. And they just whiffed. I remember liking Spencer Dinwiddie at the draft too, you know, who was a risk at the time. And maybe they tried to get Spencer to take the same deal. I wonder how like how many doors they knocked on to see who would take this yeah. deal. You know, like who who all in the second round did you ask if they would take the deal? Like how how long did it take to get to Josh Houston? was like, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna get drafted. Sure, you know. You know, right. I'll, I'll do it. And and by the way, another guy that we like really liked, like as as a person, Josh Hughes was awesome. He was on the pod. He's been on the pod. He's an incredible person. Incredible person. Yeah. So when they say they draft uh, people, not players, I would say they nailed it in this draft. They drafted a person, a really good person. Drafted good people that we like. Yeah. Uh, so some quick draft grades. Chad Ford gave it a B minus. He mm. said, "Didn't the Thunder have this draft last year?" Steven Adams was the big athletic center with the high motor. Andre Robertson was the scrappy defender and rebounder who was undersized for his position. They must have loved that draft so much they decided to do it again. I like McGarry. He was probably a bit underrated. The Hornets wanted him badly and were trying to get up to 22 to take him. If his back is okay, he's a good pick here. And I get the Houston's pick. He's tough, plays defense, and will fit in. I just wonder why they had to draft the same two guys again. (laughs) Which I never thought about that way. I don't think Steven Adams and... uh, Mitch McGarry are close at all, yeah. but Andre Robertson, and Josh Eustis, hmm. yeah, yeah, those are kind of yeah. similar yeah, yeah. archetypes. Uh, and then Andrew Sharp, he had a winners and losers column on Grantland. 
Loser, the Thunder. They took Mitch McGarry because uh, why have one Nick Collison when you can have two? Again, very funny comparison. Very funny comp. Compare Mitch McGarry to yeah. Nick Collison. They also added Josh Eustis from Stanford, someone who can apparently help on D, but not much on offense. I actually loved McGarry coming to the draft, but not for the Thunder. OKC's biggest problem in the playoffs was scoring from its guards, and this draft had plenty to choose from. Everyone from P.J. Hairston to Rodney Hood to Clanthony Early, all of whom were available at number 21. Whether it's Scott Brooks' coaching, refusing to amnesty Kendrick Perkins, or this draft, I don't understand why the Thunder keep making this so much harder than it needs to be. Yeah, that's a uh, good job, <laughs> Andrew Sharp. That's right. Which is kind of a, a good way to sum up like this summer in particular. Yeah, definitely. What's uh, what's your grade? <sighs> man, this is bad. I know what's coming though. Yeah. Um, man, this 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 summer was really bad. Oh, now they did they did, I, Anthony Morrow, one of my favorite Thunder players of all time. They so did I got get Anthony that Morrow. In. Yeah, I'd Anth- probably I'd probably give it a C minus. Yeah, I'll give it a D. If they didn't get Anthony Morrow, it's an F. Because, I mean, yeah. like, all you're trying to do is get guys that can play. And it was just like, whiff, 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 whiff. Like, it's just so bad. Um, really bad stuff. Whiff. Whiff. Um, okay, we are going to – it's hilarious that, like, these two summers took so long. But there's just, so, like, so many, like, characters in it. Um, okay. Um, we will have – 15, 16, 17. I don't even know if we'll get through that. Maybe just 15, 16 next week. We're going to stretch this out. We're going to get to the training camp on <laughs> Summers of Sam. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the show. Uh, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance. Um, we're going to end with just hearing Serge Ibaka one more time, not have any clue who Mitch McGarry is. Serge, how long have you been back, and have you had a chance to play alongside Mitch McGarry? What do you think of his game? Mitch. Who? Mitch McGarry. Mitch McGarry. Mitch McGarry. <laughs> but I, did, I didn't play my feeling game. I did get back in town like a couple, two days ago. <laughs> okay. No, I was just wondering when you got back. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. two days ago. Yeah. Okay. You're asking me if I, I, I... Have you had a chance to meet him yet. or what you think of him? Or, not yet. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.